Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Where's Johnny podcast. You, you just can't keep us down. We're alive and kicking yet again for another episode. It's a bit of a different feel for us because we're normally recording these episodes of the last thing in an evening. And now I've got a nice cup of, of Yorkshire tea to keep me company instead of, instead of a brewski. But on that note, good morning, Thomas Dodds. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you, actually. It's a... Uh, like I say, an interesting experience being awake bright and early to come and record a podcast, but at the same time, it's a bit different. Might get a bit of a different vibe, I don't know. Maybe we'll be funnier in the morning, maybe we'll get some deep political discourse going on, but Walker, how about yourself on this on this fine morning? I mean, for once, I'm not tired when we're recording. I'm not going to fall asleep. Big elephant in the room. Did you fall asleep during it? Yeah. You have to respect that. The content was that entertaining. But you've been working, to be fair, hadn't you? Like you were, you just in a. Yeah, I was. I was absolutely buggered. But I'm alright now, so no worries. And it, it doesn't even feel that long ago that we recorded, actually. No, it doesn't. Is it? Are we of the opinion now that we're we're sort of back on the bandwagon a bit? Because I know that when Discord rather stuffed up our last attempt to record the previous episode. Absolute phobia to record again. But to be honest, yeah. I thought. Go on. Go on. Oh, such politeness. No, oh. you first. Stop flirting. <laughs> Get in the bin, Dodsy. I'll flirt if you want to. It's 2020. Can't even remember what I was going to say. Yeah, I think it was just like everyone was doing different shit, so we couldn't like really get time. But now everyone, everyone's sort of back, getting into the general flow of things. I feel like we're, we're back in the rhythm. Yeah. And raring to go. Yeah, we've got a lot of exciting stuff to come up, but I think that, that that's the, the good thing from our point of view. George, can you turn the can you turn the audio off on it? Oh. Yeah, it just came on. Sorry, George's movie. George is going to do a movie through headphones, and for some reason, it just came up on his TV. So, what movie is he watching? I don't know, George. What movie are you watching? He's watching Rocky. Oh, film, very good film. He's got he's got a poster. I bought a poster maybe like two years ago with a hundred films to watch, and he's like been working his way through it. He's got like probably about ten left. Which is pretty good. Good effort. Because he hadn't actually seen many of them before he started. Maybe seen like twenty. I tried to watch that Oxygen film, the one that's on Netflix. Mm. Oh yeah, so so bad. Was it? I think I've ever watched a more pointless film. To be fair, I found that with quite a few Netflix original films. There was one with um, Will Smith in a couple. Was it Bright or, or The Bright, something like that? And it came out a few years ago. And it looked like it was going to be pretty sick. It was sort of a, it was it was a cop-based thriller. Yeah. Essentially, the whole premise was that it was taking place in a in a universe where humans lived alongside aliens. So they were trying to tackle tones of racism and everything, which was quite interesting actually. Because to be fair, one thing that was a good premise was that Will Smith was <laughs> effectively discriminating against aliens, and you were like, ah, I see the point they're trying to make there. <laughs> the tables are turned. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it missed the mark overall, I thought. Um, That's what I thought about this film. I think Netflix, they try and tackle larger issues and then somehow when they're drawing it to a close, they just forget about it and ignore it completely. Yeah. This one, it was all about 
animal rights and these like genetically engineered pigs that were like the size of hippos called a mm. super pig. That sounds sick. Super pig. And there was like so there's this one pig called Octia and there's this little girl that looked after her. And then they wanted to take the pig to America and basically just kill it. Meat and that. Well they had like, I don't know, millions of other pigs. I think it was it was a lot. A lot of pigs basically. And they were in this factory, in this slaughterhouse, and they seemed to just forget about all these other pigs and just take this one pig home. And that's it. It's like, what's the point? You've built up to it, just been back at the beginning where it all started. It's pointless. Sounds like a rip-off of the Simpsons movie. Homer Simpson holding up a hippopotamus-sized pig above his head. (laughs) (laughs) I would make make a recommendation if you're looking for something like that Bright film. District 9 is quite good. I've heard about that. Who's in it? There's no, there's no one like big in it. There's, because it's like South African. The director South African. It was one of his first movies, I think. Um, and it's about like this uh, spaceship just appears over a South African city. I can't remember which one it is. And all the aliens are there, and they're just, like, there's no, no one really knows why they're there, and they get put into like camps, basically, like slums. Well, it's like meant to have like racial tones because everyone called them like fucking prawns and like a slur for the, like the alien race and all this sort of stuff. Do they actually look like prawns or is yeah, that they just... do look like prawns. Yeah, that's made me think of something though because all, almost all films that include aliens, and I know that somebody's going to be clever and say, "Oh, that's because they're made by Hollywood," but the spaceships always over the USA. Like no country ever gets selected other than America to get invaded. But Im- imagine. Imagine some alien prawn donnies, for for want of a better term, all hmm. up over the top of, I don't know, uh, Luxembourg. Like, it just doesn't happen. Whereas, you think about it, there's a lot of open space in Luxembourg. Might be able to go incognito, get a good landing, and then sort of slide across the rest of Europe. The rest, the um, the original Independence Day was quite global, even though it was like mainly set in the US. Yeah, that's fair enough. That that one had a bit more of a reach. It was more, it was more global domination. The second one was shit, but first one. To be fair, Independence Day is good film. I like it. Yeah, it's, the first one's really good. The second one, not so much. It just it just felt like a just a repeat of the first one, pretty much. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think, to be honest, a lot of films when they try and do a sequel, and even more so when they try and do a trilogy. They don't normally get better. Like the exceptions that come to mind, The Godfather, obviously the second Godfather is just an amazing film. Mm. But then you get to the third one and they've stacked it. But what sort of film would you normally be after, Walker? Because I've got a few good ones on my uh, on my all-time list if you need some recommendations. Easy. I'll literally watch any genre. Any genre? Oh, that's, that's, that's very nice. The Lego movie. Doddy, did you just say the Lego movie? The Lego movie, yeah. That's a harrowing, harrowing film. SpongeBob SquareNuts. <laughs> Is that actually a thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's by the same people who did the Lego movie. Jeez, parodies are getting more and more advanced nowadays. There's a shark in the water. Get out, get out. There's no shark in here. <laughs> I know exactly what that is. <laughs> this isn't a beach, it's a bathtub. <sighs> I think you should leave. No, I think I should stay here and we should have sex. Okay. <laughs> the thing is, the interactions in like porn parodies and like porn films, they're they're so bad. It's almost comedic genius. 
there was there's one video that I remember circling doing the rounds when I was um I'm pretty confident this was at secondary school. So late secondary school. And there was this guy who's like an old uh, an older man. And he go he goes, No, no, please don't do it. I'm a virgin. And then virgin. One, one of my mates found the found the actual full-length thing. And he said to us in no uncertain terms that he was not a virgin. <laughs> there was absolutely no way around that. He knew exactly what he was doing. The one I've, I always return to is a big sausage pizza. There's a clip of it on YouTube, censored, of course. Uh, <laughs> but it's about, it's like there's this boyfriend and he's making a pizza for uh, his girlfriend's family. So his, his dad's there, her dad's there, and like her sister's there, and her grandfather's there. And he's like making the pizza and everyone's like, hurry up, what's taking you so long? And he brings over the pizza. Oh, and he's, yeah, I've seen this one. He's got his dick through the middle of the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, what the fuck? And then the grandfather has a heart attack because it's so shocking. What? And then the the girlfriend says this line, oh, well, at least we. I don't think we can let good food go to waste. And start sucking off. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. I don't have any words for that. This this podcast has already descended into a hive of scum and villainy, and <laughs> how we like it. We're not getting monetized ever. Maybe we, we with the glowing reviews such as this, we'll be able to get some sponsorship from Brazzers or Bang Bros. Bornstar went to my school. I'll, I'll get in contact. Did they? Yeah, they did. Like a well-known one. I don't think she's well-known. Uh-huh. But she's done fake taxi. All right, so she's she's met our beloved John. Hey. She's uh, John from Fake Taxi. Yeah, she's in love with John. Certainly got some miles in the legs. Let's put it like that. Uh, Mile, miles in the driving seat as well. I can't. I can't watch stuff like that. It's too, it's too. It's far too cringeworthy for me. Sometimes I just put them on to see how they end up in that situation. <laughs> Alex just watches. You just watching it for the plot. <laughs> Is this one running from the police? What's going on? And that's a whole new level of simp when you watch porn for the plot. He's watching porn for the plot. <laughs> if we did get sponsored, though, we'd have to change the name to Where's the Johnny? Oh, we imagine getting Where's Johnny Johnny? Where's Johnny Johnny's? Yes. <laughs> On the condoms, you could just say, Here's Johnny. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, any, any major pornographic film company that the Where's Johnny podcast would apparently like to reach out to, you, but I'm not sure if this is becoming too much smut. I'm also unemployed, so hire <laughs> me. Feel free. We need the money. We want money. I think we can all agree we all want Mia Markova in the pod at some point. I think it'd be a great conversation. <laughs> um, I've I've heard that Mia Markova is an avid reader of Shakespeare, so we'll have an educational conversation with her. Very much so. She's more than just a piece of meat. Exactly. We respect women on this podcast. We need a guest, I think. Yeah, I was thinking that actually last night because I was chatting to a couple of my mates who, for the record, were very complimentary about the show. They said they'd enjoyed it. Um, there were a couple who were debating starting their own podcast on like sort of a history-based theme, which I think would be class. Um, so I do hope that comes together. But like we were saying this, actually it would be really good to get a woman on as a guest because our humour has been very male-orientated, I think. But at the same time, a lot of the listeners who I've spoken to it's it's a fairly mixed audience. Yeah. The audience is maybe like 60, 40 in favour of men. So there's, there's quite a few who listen to this. Make sure they're single. <laughs> Make sure they're single. So you're not just wanting them on for an educational conversation? I'll be honest, no. 
We could do um, Take Me Out, but we could just pimp Alex out in the podcast. Yeah, that's fine. Send in your CVs to... Uh, oh, we haven't even got an email address. Just DM the Where's Johnny podcast on Instagram. DMs. Slide in our DMs. I'm going to make us an email now. What are we feeling? Gmail? I made a Gmail for the so we could do a YouTube channel, to be fair. We've, already got, we've got an email then. Yeah. It's... Um, you want to send them in? It's where's.johnny with Johnny have one, two... It's got five ends in it. At gmail.com. Why? What? Wait, hang on. So where's Johnny with one through four ends was already taken, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> what? So I just kept adding ends to it, so... <laughs> I'm going to make a new email. One that's more professional. Yeah, Probably. Something like wjp at gmail.com. That's probably taken, but. Or just where's Johnny podcast? I wasn't thinking this was going to get sent to. I was thinking, like, we'll just make it and then that may- means we can have some have a podcast. Have we uh, have we stacked ourselves by giving away the, the email address for our YouTube channel? Because does that mean somebody might be able to sort of say forget password, access the email address somehow, and have our YouTube? No create account to manage my business yeah well access access a youtube account with no subscribers no views but imagine the damage they could do to our already flourishing image it's fine i'm, I'm sure it'd be fine what would what the password to be probably not something that we're going to announce over yeah <laughs> over the podcast whisper it it's fine we'll white noise it Today was going to be a different more organized structured form of conversation and yet we've now Gone through everything from Independence Day and uh, Intergalactic Shrimp to our favourite porn stars and what novels they like to read. Mega Simping. <laughs> mega Simping. After that Mega Simping, we're going to be talking about something that's, that's quite quite dear to my heart as conspiracy theories go. One of the first theories I remember ever hearing about was the Bermuda Triangle. It's a theory that's come under for a lot of flack in the more recent years because there's a lot of people who have supposedly pretty much conclusively disproved it. And what we want to do is we want to give the argument a little bit of a once over and see what's what. So in a slightly different format to today's episode, all three of us are going to be talking about the Bermuda Triangle. I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a background for the, those listeners who aren't quite so familiar with the, the details of it. We're going to start talking about the Bermuda Triangle, but who knows where we're going to end up. That would probably be quite um, quite fitting for the Bermuda Triangle, really, if we just sort of started on course and ended, ended up... In the, in the sea. <laughs> Vanishing. <laughs> we're all going to drown. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Alex, you're, you're going to be in favour, aren't you? And the Dodsy, you're, you're presenting the case against. I am indeed. Lovely jubbly. So, for those people who aren't quite so clued in. The Bermuda Triangle is an area in the Atlantic Ocean, which is effectively a triangle between Miami, Bermuda and Puerto Rico, where over a period of many years, there have been dozens of ships and planes which have disappeared in completely unexplainable circumstances. And I say unexplainable circumstances, but I'm hoping that these are going to be explainable either in favour of a conspiracy or, or even just generically due to some perfectly rational scientific explanation. The prominence regarding the sort of legend of the Bermuda Triangle came about in 1918 when the, the USS Cyclops just disappeared somewhere between Barbados and uh, Chesapeake Bay. It never sent out an SOS distress call, despite the fact that it was, it was equipped to do so. And 300 like s- sailors and 10,000 tons of manganese ore sank and they were never recovered. 
And uh, in 1941, two of the, the USS Cyclops's sister ships vanished in similar circumstances without a trace along almost exactly the same route. There is suggestion that there is something fairly suspicious going on there. And then there have been many more talks about planes going down. 1945, there's an anecdotal one about some Navy bombers took off from Fort Lauderdale in Florida. And then one of them got severely lost. And uh, on the same day, the rescue plane that went out to go find these people also disappeared. So there's quite frankly some fairly wacky shit going on here. And Alex, I'm hoping that you're going to tell me that this is all down to some sort of majestic sea dragon or something. Well, there's potentially four different reasons as to why um, loads of things have been disappearing. Something about over 100 disappearances between 1946 and 1991 of boats and ships. And that could be down to it's just dangerous. Something to do with methane gas, something to do with magnetism, Atlantis is involved black holes are involved and of course aliens are involved that's the dissertation <laughs> thank you for coming to my ted talk uh, which one's your favorite of the theories um i actually quite like the uh, the magnetism one and that's quite an interesting one because it's, it's realistic if you had to pick out the sort of less realistic ones which one do you think is the the one you want to be true the most atlantis i'd love it to be true but it looks unlikely so supposedly Atlantis itself is a victim of the Bermuda Triangle. So not only do ships and planes go missing, whole cities go missing. I don't know if you know the story of Atlantis, but supposedly it just disappeared in one day. But it was a, a big Navy power as well. I think Plato wrote about it. It's that ancient. And it's suggested now that the residents of Atlantis are all still alive, but they all now just live under the sea. And everyone that goes missing in the Bermuda Triangle ends up in Atlantis. And they're all just living there, happy as Larry. Basically, the people who originally drowned in Atlantis now just haunt the Bermuda Triangle. They claim people. It's not just like, oh, Atlantis sunk and everything else sunk. Like they're, they're actually going, well, we're here now, so we're bringing you with us. Pretty much. That's the one I've actually got the least information on. Well, I mean, to be fair, the, the only evidence we need are, um, is Atlantis visible from the surface? No. Have we explored all of the ocean? No. Therefore, we have just proven it. So what? What you, you also had aliens, didn't you? Oh, yeah, this one's completely utter bullshit. <laughs> You've got to believe in it. This is your side of the argument. Aliens are abducting people in the Bermuda Triangle. Supposedly in the Bahamas, there's an underwater Area 51 that monitors aquatic alien activity. And supposedly the area of the Bermuda Triangle is the most prolific for alien sightings. It could explain how people just go missing. They just get zapped up by aliens, and that's that. Very niche part of the planet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But Underwater Area 51 has sold it for me. The Underwater Area 51 that is on land, by the way. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, so you, 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 you're not in favour of Atlantis or aliens? No, those ones are uh, pretty shit. The rest of the ones seem to have some legs to them, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how big of a fan I am of the Bermuda Triangle. It's just a naturally dangerous place for sailing because of tropical storms, deep undercurrents. And there's really deep trenches there, which means anything that does get sunk just disappears and doesn't get found. Right. It, may, it makes too much sense and it's a bit boring. Just bin that one off, yeah. This methane gas one, though, this one's actually interested me quite a bit because it's funny. 
So scientists have discovered that there's large concentrations of methane gas in the Buda Triangle in the ocean floor because of um, decomposing sea organisms. And supposedly the methane accumulates as super concentrated methane ice. And if a slight pocket of it ruptures, then all the gas surges up and erupts on the surface without any warning. So I'm just imagining a big tanker just going along the sea, carrying loads of oil or something. All of a sudden, it gets shot into the air by a methane gas explosion. Loads of sediment then lands on top of it. It gets sunk, ends up in one of these deep trenches, never to be seen again. I'm not, I don't know. I, from what I heard, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm telling you, that is how it works. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> From my understanding, my understanding was this this methane, like it's very yes, it, it does happen, but from what, what I heard is the methane rises through the sea and because because it's like in the sea, it lowers the buoyancy of the sea basically. So now now we're like a it doesn't the sea doesn't have enough buoyant force to keep the like a ship over it afloat, so it just sinks. Yeah, if a ship's in the area of the, like the the blowout, if yeah. you like, then the water beneath becomes less dense, yeah, and it sinks. But it does also say that gas surges up and erupts on the surface without warning. I was just thinking, I was just thinking of the the ship, the ship like a big oil tanker just getting shot into the air. Like it's a nice idea. Have you done any delving into there were there were two theories that I was wondering about whether or not you would um, bring them up. The answer is probably no. Well, if if not, I know a little bit about them, so I can sort of give a, a bit of an overview. You're being biased. There's one about <laughs> there's one about an ancient Greek monster. Oh no! Which sounded pretty cool when I, I glanced glanced over it. And then the other one was about wormholes. I've got this kind of wormhole thing. Oh, awesome! Because because that, that that's that's the one that always interested me. I didn't delve in any great detail into it, so I was wondering if you if you could edu- educate me if that's the right word on the, on this topic. Hardly detail, but I can try. So supposedly, because of the like the amount of storms that are there, something called ball lightning is created because of all this energy that's surrounding it. A big black hole has opened up. Obviously, it's not a black hole because then everything that gets sucked in and Earth would just be destroyed. But the corner black hole. Um, has opened up in the Bermuda Triangle, and it's supposedly a gateway to another universe, which creates weird travel times or something like that. Effectively, if you go into this gateway, you can time travel, is what they're saying. Hmm. So there's stories of the one guy, Bruce Gernon, he's called, was flying through the Bermuda Triangle, and he encountered like an electric fog kind of thing he described it as. He basically, he couldn't see shit. He could see fuck all. So he, he said that he flew for three minutes. He was on his way to Miami, by the way, from wherever he'd been. Um, he flew for three minutes, and then he gets a call over his radio saying that he's now flying over Miami and he's overshot it a little bit. Hmm. He looks at his watch, and he's been going for 40 minutes, apparently, and he'd travelled about 90 minutes worth of distance in that short three-minute period so what people think happened is he's gone into this wormhole black hole gateway kind of place and it's just spat him out over miami and he's effectively trying time traveled that's an interesting theory to me because i was about to say can you detect wormholes but i don't really know the actual science behind them whether we've ever detected one i'm not even sure what a wormhole really is well the wormholes i think 
a sort of a, a theoretical model. So from what I understand, they're sort of like structures that supposedly link to different points in space-time because they come up in... St Stephen Hawking had a book, um, what was it called? Was it A Brief History of Time? I think it was something like that. And I read it last year and wormholes came up in that. He did a far better job of explaining it than than I or the internet will ever manage to do. But that's unsurprising given that it was literally Stephen Hawking. So, mm. but I think that the general the general idea is that they're theoretical, but they're consistent with like the 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 general theory of relativity. So the idea is that they're kind of like a projection of a fourth spatial dimension. But I wouldn't dare try and explain anything more of that. So that they could potentially exist then. Yeah, I think I think the idea is that if Stephen Hawking thinks there's a chance, there's definitely a chance. Yeah, that was kind of the opinion I took. That I was like, well, I know that you shouldn't believe everything you read, but there's a difference between believing something that is said on Fox News and believing something that Stephen Hawking says. Wait, I can get this iPhone for free. <laughs> and this Nigerian prince wants to send me one hundred thousand dollars, and he all he needs is my credit card details. Count me in. <laughs> it's like when you get those um those adverts that pop up and it's like the fit singles in your area and you live in the countryside like the fucking well are <laughs> but yeah Stephen Hawking <laughs> is not a Nigerian prince you never know could be a genuine theory but I'm pretty confident that they've never been observed I mean I hope they have and I hope I'm just completely wrong on that they probably know about it if they had been surely well, I mean, I think humanity would know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that us three would know. <laughs> <laughs> All our cognitive power is like the whole entire knowledge of the whole humankind. It's like we know everything. We're omnipotent. We're, we're actually just sat here like that meme of the guy, like the big brain meme where he's like there and his, his brain is like the chair. <laughs> we're, that's us. <laughs> oh, dear. So the, the idea that recording first thing in the morning was going to make us more coherent has actually had the opposite effect because we're less subdued. On the game today, we're on it. We are. We're, we're, we're razor sharp. So, we're wormholes. <laughs> aliens. <laughs> oh, all those memes. Um, wormholes and aliens. Mm. I would just like to say, <laughs> I googled Bermuda Triangle wormhole uh, just to have a look at what some other people were saying on like blog posts, just because I, I wanted I wanted some unbiased opinions, and also one of one of my favourite things to do when I have too much time on my hands is to have a look at people getting riled up in like comment threads. That's why Reddit amazing. And the best comment I found here is on a on a thread called Bermuda Triangle equal wormhole question mark. And there's a comment from Tom Marvolo Riddle, and it was on the 3rd of July 2020 at 7:51 a.m. He said. I wish the Bermuda Triangle was wormhole to another Earth, dot, 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 dot. It would, but would is spelt W-O-O-D, be so, with two with two, uh, two O's, cool. I imagine that's what he's going for, but he's spelt it C-O-L-E. Even Dumbledore might make a new Hogwarts there, full stop, and I would kill him. What's the point? What's the point? That's such a waste of a comment. The thing is, the admin has then commented underneath and said, because uh, this isn't actually on Reddit, this one. So it says an admin bad sense to the guy. And he said, um, like the creativity, unlikely to be true. I'm like, thank you for the clarification. Because before <laughs> that. <laughs> so you think that magnetism was your favorite? Yeah. This one kind of links to um, it being a dangerous place. 
Yeah. But it's a bit more interesting. So because of the tropical storms and this ball lightning thing that I talked about before, that pretty much messes up with with compasses and stuff like that. You combine that with the Bermuda Triangle is one of only two places where magnetic north and true north line up. So compasses tend to point towards true north rather than magnetic north when they're there. Combine it with the lightning and the storms and the compasses are going batshit crazy, basically. So you, you have no idea where they're going. That kind of links to Christopher Columbus when he first tried to discover America. He noted down that his, his compass went a bit nutty. And he, he said he saw mysterious lights, which is those um, ball lightning things that I talked about. Mm-hmm. The, the Flight 19 thing that you mentioned earlier. Yes. They said that their compass was going absolutely nuts. And they said that they couldn't be sure of any direction because they couldn't find north at all. And they had no idea where they were. So I think that one's probably got the most legs to it. Although I'm not really sure what true north is and how it differs from magnetic north. So like magnetic north, the magnetic north pole isn't at the north pole because the the earth is tilted, yes? Yeah. Yeah. So the axis is like slanted. So what I understand is like the the magnetic north pole is at the top of the earth, whereas the the true north is like the top of the axis. Right. I might just got that completely wrong, but... But it's quite a big tilt, isn't it? So that they would be quite magnetic north and north would be quite far away from each other yeah so true true north is straight um true north is like the the point where the earth spins on magnetism is created in the mantle we'll get we'll get a bit here sciencey here it flows around so it isn't always constant pretty much and obviously where the north magnetic north pole is moves around because the magma inside even though it's not like a fluid it 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 moves around as well it flows has the ability to flow. Yeah. So the magnetic north pole changes and it moves around. It's not necessarily the true north. Normal compasses then will go off magnetic north and south, yeah. won't they? Yes. How the fuck does that work if it's constantly changing? It's not constantly changing. Like we're not talking day to day. It's talking like thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. So what can happen is at some point in the future, the, the magnetic poles can just flip. So magnetic north will be south and south will be north. Like every th- it's been proven that every thousands of years that happens because that's how we proved um, continental drift. It's one of the ways we proved continental drift. Yeah, because you can check in the rocks, can't you? Because obviously when they were created, that it's sort of like when, when, it, when they were created, they show the magnetism of what the Earth was. I'm assuming that won't be a sudden change. Yeah, it takes like thousands of years to happen. You're not going to be midway through a car journey and then you're sat nav all of a sudden be like... You don't know. There is a, a video on it, what would happen if it did happen. I should put a link, a link down below from the good people over at Kurtzgazart. But I think what they said was like, there is potential for like electricity networks to like go down... And they said it could possibly take like up to 20 years to get back to normal. But the thing is, it happens, it only happens every hundred, it happens over time scales of hundreds of thousands of years. So it's like. I mean, I guess the question is, how overdue for that are we? I'm not sure. I don't know the answer. I think you've done a fairly good job of explaining that, though, in, a, in layman's terms for, for our listeners. It was a, a genuinely educational moment in the history of the show. Have you got anything else that you want to add to your magnetism uh, argument, Walker, before before Dodsey puts forward his research? He's not really adding anything extra, but I'm just going to close it up. A closing statement. 
I think the Bermuda Triangle exists, but there's nothing funky about it. It is just a case of companies are fucking up because of magnetism and all these storms that are happening. And combine it with the deep undercurrents and the trenches and that. If you get dragged under, well, not you, because you're not going to be there, are you? Let's be honest, just by yourself. But if a ship goes under, then it's gone. It's never found. And if they've got lost and then they've hit something, they've gone under, that's it. Then you never find it again. And I think loads of people have just made it up, as they always do. It's aliens, it's a wormhole, whatever. And I think this Bruce Gernon guy who was flying for 40 minutes and only did it in three, he's either bullshitting or he fell asleep. <laughs> he's done a you. He's, he's done a me, yeah. Tremendous display. Thomas, the, the floor is all yours. I know um, I was hopeful that Alex might conclude that it was aliens or it was a wormhole or it was some sea monster or, or what have you. <laughs> I don't want to sound stupid. You've looked at the conspiracy theory options as, as we've asked you to do and concluded actually yourself that you're not, you're not too into them and uh, you, you've, you've given your opinion fairly in front of the, the listeners and I respect that. Thank you. I've just, I've just looked up how, about the magnetism stuff and it, apparently the poles reverse every 450,000 years and the last one happened... Seven hundred and eighty thousand years ago. So someone's way off then. It could be it could be quite a while. But they overshot it by three hundred thousand years. So it could well be nine hundred thousand years and someone's way out. Just, just stay alert if you're on your DV. <laughs> stay alert if you're on your DV. I <laughs> 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 love that. <laughs> You're waiting on your certificate, but the printers don't work anymore. Someone just scribing it out with a quill and ink. The Duke of Edinburgh would still be alive in 20 years as well. He's dead. He's definitely dead, by the way. That picture of him where he's coming out of hospital when he was most recently in there. He is dead in that car. There's no chance he's not. And they've just opened his eyes just to make it look like he's alive. But he's just staring and he looks like a zombie. He is dead. And they've just covered it up. He has been, he has, you know, he's been seen in public like since then, you know. Sock puppet. He's stuffed. Someone did a taxidermy job on him and then he gets pulled along on a leash or something. <laughs> Reminds me of that, that bit in Rick and Morty where that woman's dead and like all the cats like there's like the cats like like start moving her around and shit. It's like that with Prince Philip but with corgis. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um so yes, yeah, so anyway, we I didn't want to say too much while Alex was saying his piece because I'm not gonna lie, I'm quite skeptical. Skeptical on the whole thing. I started. Well, I I thought this would be a good idea to do this topic for the podcast. Um, but as I started looking to it, it, looks more and more just like bollocks, really. So I'm gonna ground. I'm gonna ground our discussion in facts and logic using science, facts, and logic. You go, girl. Um. So I'm gonna start by. My first point is going to be based on the origins of the Bermuda Triangle, where it came from, firstly. So the first time it was published, or someone thought there was something awry in the Bermuda Triangle, the first time it was in print was in the Miami Her- was a story in the Miami Herald in 1950, which detailed the unusual disappearances of mainly Flight 19, I think it was. And, and then there was another article in 1952 in Fate magazine which was pretty much mostly about Flight 19. And this was the first one to 
suggests that there was a triangular area of um, water where this was happening, pretty much. And then where it really gained popularity was from another article in a Pulp Fiction magazine called Argosy from 1964. Because it was Pulp Fiction, they sensationalized a lot of the details, pretty much. So they did it like as a big full cover front page thing saying it's like a deadly triangle, all this sort of stuff. So that it's not really a Pulp Fiction magazine is not a credible source. It's not like it's of it's like fiction. It's got fiction in the title, so it's not it's not real. It's just like stories and shit. And like it might be slightly based on like real real stuff, but a lot of it's just gonna be exaggerated. And that's where a lot of it comes from, this um this pulp fiction magazine basically. It's not exactly a scientific journal. Definitely not. Now second part is the statistical evidence. Gonna use some science and maths here. So I think it was in the nineteen nineties the BBC were doing a documentary on the Bermuda Triangle and they asked Lloyds of London about in about insurance insuring ships that sail through the Bermuda Triangle pretty much. Mm-hmm. And they returned with saying that they didn't charge more for ships sailing through the Bermuda Triangle because there was no statistical evidence saying that the amount of ships that got lost in the Bermuda Triangle was larger than anywhere else in the ocean, pretty much. Mm, Okay, interesting. And this is the same sort of standpoint which is held by the the US Coast Guard. So they don't actually think that the Bermuda Triangle is even worth... No. So, like, yeah, it's it's one of the... It's it's quite a busy um, shipping lane. So obviously there's probably going to be more, if you go, if there's more ships there, there's going to be a higher tro- higher probability that a ship's going to sink there, pretty much. Yeah, of course. And then the third point is a lot of the wreckages and a lot of the um, sinkings of ships and also the the down the um, loss of the planes, a lot of it is not confined to the geographical area of the Bermuda Triangle. So there's a case, the SX. Yeah, the SS Cutter Paxi went through the Bermuda Triangle and was a tribute to it, but turns out sank in more around the end of Florida in the the Gulf of Mexico, pretty much. Another one which is attributed to the Bermuda Triangle is the um, the sinking of the Carol A. Deering, which passed through the whole Bermuda Triangle, and then only the mysterious ships ended up happening up the coast of the US, pretty much. So what happened was. The ship passed through the Bermuda Triangle, and then the last time it was sighted, um, someone on a lighthouse ship up the coast of the US saw someone hailing them, saying their anchor was broken. And this was followed by another steamship, and that was the last of seeing them and the um, the crew. And then a couple of weeks later, someone finds that the ship has been run aground. And a lot of it has been smashed. So all the captain's logs, all the Passengers' belongings have been taken, pretty much. It's pretty much just been abandoned. However, this happened halfway up the coast of the US. It didn't happen in the Bermuda Triangle, and often this one is attributed to the Bermuda Triangle. So there's quite a bit of um, of points grabbing. So a lot of it's like, so the conspiracy theorists or the pseudoscientists say that all this is to do with neighbouring areas and that, but that's just like, that's just pandering, I feel like. Where do you where do you stop saying that? Oh, this is this is just because it was in the vicinity or it passed through and that. Yeah, it seems like a lot of stuff just gets dragged into it. Yeah, just to make the mystery more real. It's like even with the Christopher Columbus stuff when he saw mysterious lights and a, supposedly saw a fireball from the sky, he was actually 
no way near the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. He was just on his way there. The compass stuff was something to do... I can't remember exactly because it wasn't in my original points, but it was something to do with the comp- in the magnetic north not lining up with true north, pretty much, like yeah. we were talking about before. Because, obviously, he was... If you go back to was it the 1500s, all he had was the compass and the stars and if you're navigating using the stars at sea, you use the north, the pole star, which lines up with true north, pretty much. And obviously, magnetic north wasn't lining up with that. That's why he was saying his compasses were going a bit awry. And that sort of leads on to my fourth and final point, that there's a lot of logical explanations to... There's a lot more logical explanations to all the individual cases rather than putting them all under one umbrella, saying there's, like, a mystical force that doomed them all. So... If we go if we go back to like well I mean we just explained like how Christopher Columbus how all that stuff is quite easily explainable. Yeah. Um the stuff with the Carol A. Deering is most likely that there was either a mutiny or it had uh, succumbed to piracy. So a lot of the a lot of the counts beforehand said that the second the first mate had had talked extensively about killing or getting the captain of the ship because they didn't like each other. It seems it seems a bit weird. He said that, and then he got jailed for it. But then the captain bailed him out. Misunderstanding. Part of the ship. Part of the crew. This is sort of backed up by the person on the lifeboat that last saw him, saying he was hailed by a Scandinavian man, and it wasn't the captain. The the captain apparently usually does that sort of stuff. The ca- there was the captain, the first mate, and a crew of mostly Scandinavian people. It's like mm. it's most likely that the, it was one of the crew hailing him rather than the captain. Another point was that the light boat, person on the light boat saw that a lot of the crew were hanging around on a part of the ship that they weren't supposed to be on. I can't remember what part of the ship it was, but it was a part which was often reserved for the captain, which is a... The poop deck. Yeah. I don't think it was the poop deck, but... Very mature. So there's all that stuff that holds up the mutiny part. And then the piracy part, so this second ship, which was following in the wake of the Carol A. Deering, this ship thought to be another ship whose name escapes me, but that also sank afterwards. So people think that this second ship boarded the first ship, took all the stuff and the passengers, and then left and then sank as well, pretty much. Ah, uh, okay. Which make which would make more sense than uh, some of the other stuff. You've got quite a conclusive argument already in that, to be fair. Like... This is this is exactly the the sort of thing that I was thinking of when when I was saying that the the theories come under a bit of flack because to be honest I've heard the um the sort of oh there are other logical explanations thing I didn't know the statistical point that actually mm-hmm. there aren't that many more ships that sink there than anywhere else yeah and it never occurred to me although of course it's logical that people would just attribute stories to it that weren't there the last bit I want to talk about was Flight 19 because this is another quite prolific... The thing that accelerated it all, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so this this was one of the parts that the, a lot of the early articles were written about. So this flight was a training, a naval training flight from Fort Lauderdale. Um, it was helmed by quite an experienced uh, leader, or captain, and it con- consisted of five different aircraft, all the same make. There was the the captain and there was four of us students, I think. So their plan was to fly out from Fort Lauderdale, which, if you don't really know, US geography, it's like on the Florida Peninsula, pretty much. Uh, Fly out to the the islands off the coast, which are about 
few nautical a few hundred nautical miles out. I think that's I'm not sure what islands they are. And then they were supposed to head north and then basically return on a bearing towards Fort Fort Lauderdale after they've been out to these islands to carry out some bombing exercises. Yeah. So they they set out and fly out. There was nothing in the pre-flight checks. There was nothing awry on the pre-flight checks. So they set out and they commenced their bombing practice. And then the leader says he is lost, basically, after they've done the bombing exercise. Yeah. Um, he says both his compasses are out. Now, what doesn't make sense is it's quite it would be quite rare for that to actually happen. So they probably were working fine. He just didn't know where he was. He made an error pretty much. So right. if you look at the radio logs, he says he's a, he thinks he's over the, the Florida Keys. If we just think, of, again, go back to the geography of the Florida Peninsula, Florida Keys is right at the tip pretty much. He thinks he's pretty much in the Gulf of Mexico on the west side, where in fact he's on the east side pretty much of the peninsula. Surely he's just stupid. That would have involved him doing a full 180. So to rectify that, he's st- they start flying north pretty much, which is what, what they plan to do anyway. His his idea was if he flies north, he's going to run into, if he thinks he's over the, the Gulf of Mexico, he's going to run into land at some point pretty much, and then he can they can land. However, they're just flying north up the coast pretty much parallel to the coast. Coast, sorry. Coast. 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 Oh, yeah. Welcome to Kurst. <laughs> and then at some point, they start flying east as well. So he thinks flying east will get them to the back to the Florida Peninsula. However, it's just taking them out into the Atlantic Ocean. West. They'd have ended up in Mexico. That's what he thought, wasn't it? Or something. Yeah. Well, he thought they'd be in the Gulf of Mexico pretty much, and they'd definitely yeah. die. I think they did turn west at some point, but they didn't have enough fuel to reach land. Too little, too late. I make a point of saying that this was all on the main flying commander because there was apparently a lot of uh, discrepancy with the the students thought he was in the wrong anyway. And people say, well, why why didn't they just overwrite him or what have you? But apparently it's, that's all to do with the naval, um, a lot of the naval code, like you shouldn't override your superiors and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. What are the main reasons that this wasn't like attributed when the, the final report was wrote up? Was because the the what the mother of the, the flying commander didn't want it all attributed to him. He didn't. She didn't want to think that he led pretty much for himself and four of her students to their death, pretty much on his human error. That's a real killer. That is um, because, like you say, Flight Nineteen being such a major part of the conspiracy. Yeah, it just sounds like it might well be bollocks. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot more plausible a lot of these a lot of these disappearances have a lot more plausibility in like real world stuff rather than other things happening i think it was it was either with the ss cotopaxi or the uss cyclops i read that one i think it was the the cotopaxi hailed a distress call beforehand and that was the last that was heard of it saying that one of their engines had broken now what they were they were apparently carrying like maybe something similar to the USS Cyclops, like some magnesium or some 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 mineral. And apparently when this mineral gets wet, it gets quite slippy as well. So if they indeed had like broken an engine and water got into the hole, it would have made the, the cargo in the hole quite slippy and pretty much like slid all the cargo to one side of the ship. And if you've only got one engine anyway, you can't really stabilize the ship. So 
yeah. it's all going to slide to one end of the ship and you, you're pretty much fucked. The thing is, with, with all of these stories, there's a phrase that I found um, when I was looking stuff up for another, for another one of our shows. And it was something along the lines of, if you hear the sound of hooves, you look for a horse, not a unicorn. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that it could well be that is sort of... I mean, I'm not so sure that it's Atlanteans pulling people under the ocean, but like the wormhole argument could be plausible. But at the same time, there's so many logical explanations like you just set out. You'd surely have to give the benefit of the doubt to them first if they fit the bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think from what it sounds, there's still some fairly trippy anecdotal evidence in favour of ships going under in mysterious circumstances. But I think if a ship goes under, it's not it's not always apparent to you at the time anyway. Mm-hmm. It's the left phalange. It's not working. Even in modern days, there's a lot of examples where we just don't know what happened. Like, yeah, like them Boeing 737 ones. What, what ones are those? The um, is it Malay Malaysian airline one? Oh yeah, yeah. One that just went missing. Well, one got shot down, didn't it? Well, the other one. Yeah. And then there was one that crossed into the ocean. Yeah. Well, supposedly. Who knows? Nobody knows. To be honest, we should do a pod where we where we discuss that at some point as well because it is a really good. Yeah, definitely. That's why I didn't really want to say much about it because uh, it's good content for the future, pretty much. Yeah. I'll save the the sake of the the future pods content and bring us back on track. I think it's it's almost fitting that we've we've ended talking about a completely unrelated plane getting shot down. Pretty much. You've shot down my hopes of, of the Bermuda Triangle being a real thing. Rip. Um, which is a shame because it's a it's a very dear old theory because it's like it's one of the OG theories, isn't it? That's why it's still quite prolific because people enjoy hearing about it and people make media about it and there's money to be made off it. Yeah, I suppose when you get to the point of monetization you can perhaps shut your shut your ears and your eyes. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, how many documentaries... I mean, I'm not sure about films. I know it's been mentioned in a couple of, like, the Alien films, like, as, like, plot points. Well, I do believe that that brings us to the end of our conspiracy section, and I, I think this model worked well. Let us know, listeners, if, if you enjoyed us talking about one big theory and sort of going into it together then give us some feedback. If you want to see it more, then we, we can bring it back. We can do some some other ones. Um, if you want to go back to a, a couple of shorter ones, we're happy to do that. We want to we want to keep delving into content in whatever way we enjoy and whatever way you find engaging. So drop, drop us a comment on, on our post on Instagram, send us a DM, what, whatever you want to do when this comes out. Reviews on iTunes. Yes. Yes, please give us reviews, actually. That, that really helps. Do we have any reviews on iTunes? I don't think we do. I don't think so. We probably should do that, actually. Um, try and push for some reviews of the pod from, from our loyal listeners. The Japanese and Norwegian contingents can pull through for us. They definitely can. And something else that's going to pull through for us is our final segment of the show, which is even dearer to my heart than the Bermuda Triangle ever was. So what I've done, lads, is... I've narrowed Gentleman's Corner down to a couple of good ones because I had two to begin with. I've substituted one out because I know in the future we're going to have an episode whereby we're looking at looking at we're looking at doing a few Gentleman's Corners as a sort of special. Yeah. Um, so I'm saving some good ammunition for that. But I feel like the two we've got here are, are pretty pretty decent ones. The first one I'd like to ask you about is actually a tag team match in Gentleman's Corner. Ooh. Of course, these are these two pairings. 
and they are very much pairings are going to be fighting fighting to the death. I'd like you to tell me who would win out of Steve Irwin partnered with the Stingray that killed him. Deadly combination. The deadly 60. <laughs> We're back up. <laughs> deadly 59. <laughs> and his, their opponents are Leonardo DiCaprio and the Bear from the Revenant. Now, the terrain is aquatic, but you can assume that both DiCaprio and the Bear are competent swimmers. They both achieved a gold award for swimming badges. Steve Irwin and the Stingray are not trying to kill each other. Uh, they've managed to squash the beef and they're willing to let bygones be bygones. They sell their beef in heaven, pretty much. They have, because that Stingray is definitely not alive anymore. Actually, to be fair, I'd say the Stingray is definitely not in heaven either. So. Oh, mercy. Well, let's have a think. Steve Irwin is a bit of a savage, though, but he likes animals, so I reckon he grappled a bear. Even though he likes animals, in a life or death situation, he's killing. He's killing. He's definitely in like full kill mode. What if he tames it? The stingray's the most competent swimmer out of the four. As we say, is this on land or water? No, this this is in water. It's aquatic terrain. It's above a coral reef. It's not. It's not above um, deep ocean. So mm. I suppose you could go down and sort of boost up. Some bears are quite competent swimmers, though. Like polar bears are quite competent swimmers. What type of bear is it? Oh, the bear from the Revenant, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. So it's like a, a brown bear. Yeah, it's a. I, I was I was going to Google the type of bear it was, but I think I'm happy to go with brown bear on it. Brown bear. So yeah, competent enough at swimming, but it's not a dolphin. It's not going to be diving in and out of the of the sparkling waters. So is it Leonardo DiCaprio's character from the? No, no, no it's Leonardo DiCaprio. His, his character's quite survivalistic, so I was reckoning he's gonna he's gonna fare quite well. However, I think Leonardo DiCaprio's fucked. He's the first one to go here. But who kills him? Does Steve kill him? Does the Stingray get him? The, the Stingray the Stingray's got him. I'm, I'm not. I think pretty much. Okay, so with with DiCaprio down, it's now a, a, a two on one handicap match between Steve Irwin and the Stingray versus Leonardo. No, versus the Bear from the Revenant. Yeah. Just gonna Google something. I'm googling. I'm googling as I'm googling as well. If you're googling the weight of a stingray, no, no, it's nothing to do with weight. I'm looking at how how toxic the venom is, pretty. Yeah, because toxic enough to kill a human, quite clearly. Yeah, but bears are big. Bears are very big. I think there's too much uh, variation in stingray species for to get a definitive definitive answer. Steve Irwin died after the serrated barb of a stingray penetrated his heart. How the fuck did it manage that? The serrated. It's like a knife, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Probably its tail. It's like a swan can break your neck with its wings. It says here fatal fatal stings are rare and obviously cites Steve Irwin as a, an exception to that. Guess what we've got to look at here is how thick a bear's skin is. Surely there's not going to be an answer to that if we just Google how thick is a bear's skin. Oh no, that actually has come up several several times. Exactly. Depends what bear, though. Do we say brown bear? Yeah, a brown bear. A grizzly, or are they different? If I'm not mistaken, the grizzly bears are subspecies of the brown bear. So, because I think they get called North American brown bears. So, I think they're valid, given that the revenant was, well, North America. Yeah. Oh, here we go. The average bear can store up to 10 inches of fat all over his body. Hell. I highly doubt, then, that they're going to be able to pierce the bear's skin and inject it with venom. I guess the, the question we need to ask is, could you get killed by several stabs of a needle? Just like a sewing needle? Because that's what it's going to be like, the, the stingray attacking a bear. Mm. 
I think the Stingray is not going to get a deadly shot on the bear, and then I think the bear is going to kill the Stingray. So therefore, I think Leonardo DiCaprio, even though he's going first, the bear's going to pull through. The bear's going to kill Steve Irwin and the Stingray. I've just Googled, can a sewing needle kill you? And supposedly in World War II, they made a sewing needle bomb. Uh. If a needle penetrated into the flesh, it will cause death. If not plucked out within 30 seconds, even if the needle's removed, it will cause disablement by collapse. So that presume that's when it goes in with some severe force. Hmm. How much force can a stingray generate? Probably not as much as a bomb. Not as much as a bomb, though. We're in too deep. Oh, it's on Reddit. <laughs> Does the needle have to be very large, or is precision more important? Yeah, I reckon precision's probably key if you wanted to kill someone with a needle. That's a point. The stingray could get the bear in the eye. Or in between vertebrates in their neck piercing the spinal cord. Are you slowly, you're slowly giving credence to the argument that the stingray might have a chance? You can paralyse the heart or lungs or disable them for life. It's up to you. I think another thing that we've got to take into account is, Dodsey, you assumed that DiCaprio goes first because of the stingray, and then you think the bear kills Steve Irwin, and then the bear kills the stingray. But what yeah. if the bear tries to kill Steve Irwin, and Steve was able to wrestle it, and then the stingray, because it's cooperating now with Steve, gets in between the eyes? I think the hitbox is too small for the stingray to get the bear. You just don't think it's going to have the minerals? No, I don't. I don't. I think the bear's got it. Well, supposedly, if you do it right, stabbing someone with a needle could give them tetanus or HIV, so then they die later on. So if this um, stingray's got HIV or tetanus... It might have <laughs> stingray AIDS, raid. Raid Shadow Legends. Raid Shadow oh, Legends. <laughs> fuck's sake. Raidy Shady. Throwing it back to episode one there. Internet internet historian um, did a funny video on that. It was like, hey, I've got raids. <laughs> <laughs> what are you in here for raids? Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> I can clarify that the Stingray neither plays Raid Shadow Legends, nor does he have raids. Can Stingrays get AIDS? Don't Google that. I, I reckon they can't. I reckon they can't. I suspect they can't. It's usually just like mammals and shit together, because it was from chimpanzees, wasn't it? So I googled it and it came up on Urban Dictionary. Stingrades. Stingrades. <laughs> Word stemmed from the pool's closed meme on the online game Habbo Hotel. <laughs> if anyone's heard of that. It's basically when you fuck a stingray and it gives you AIDS. Maybe you can get stingray AIDS if we've got any budding marine biologists. Ask George. George. Oh, yeah, good point. Can, I, can a stingray get AIDS? No, he says no. Oh, well, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> now ask him if it can get raids. <laughs> can a stingray get raids? He's not saying shit. He just thinks he just thinks it's stupid. No, he's just looking at you. Yeah. Disappointed. He called me a smooth brain the other day, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one. That is. So, are we saying that it's a conclusive win for the bear? Dodds, are you, you are. Walker, are you in favour of the bear or in favour of Steve Irwin? I'm in favour of the bear. I think it has to be. My opinion is also, actually, for the record, that I think that DiCaprio and the bear would have won. Because I think the bear is just an alpha predator. And it would, it would kill Steve Irwin in water. I think on land, I'd back Irwin to kill the bear. But obviously then the stingray becomes useless, so... Perhaps in a future episode, another tag team can challenge DiCaprio and the Bear for their title. 
The company is dead, so now it's now just the bear. Somebody can change the bear for its title. It's tag team championship belt. The bear needs a new partner. Well, who who can replace Leonardo DiCaprio? Matt Damon. Okay, fuck it. Matt Damon and the bear will be fighting on. Matt Damon with AIDS. <laughs> Maids. Maids. <laughs> snake AIDS. Snake AIDS. Snakes. <laughs> Shut up, no. I was looking. Can animals get AIDS? <laughs> so monkeys can get AIDS, obviously, because HIV originated. But the only only other thing I found is cats can get AIDS. So yeah, cat AIDS. Unfortunately, it's not called CADES, It's called FIV, feline. Not anymore. It's called CADES. I've got a nice, simple, short one to end what has been another thoroughly enjoyable podcast. Our final battle to the death in Gentleman's Corner for this week. Given Walker, I think it was you mentioned earlier about a super pig, the size, the size of, a, of a hippopotamus. I, I want to know um, who would win in a fight between super pig and two well-trained butchers. Toby Carvery terrain. There's too, there's too much. I think the butchers have got too much on this. Mate, you've not seen the size of super pig. <laughs> super pig. The thing is, could two butchers kill a hippopotamus? No. Well, then surely they won't be able to kill Super Pig. There's a pig the size of it. Hippopotamuses are quite vicious, you know. Yeah, but I mean, a pig would eat you if it was big enough. Yeah, to be fair. I want to see if Super Pig comes up if I, if I Google it. I want an image. There's apparently a platformer called Super Pig. The, the Super Pig Octa is roughly 8 feet tall and 13 feet long and probably weighed about 6 tons. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no way that the butchers are killing that. If that was the fury of a hippo, then. <laughs> fury of a hippo. It's, it's a lot bigger than a hippo, actually. Apparently, a male hippo can grow to 1,800 kilos, so it's about four times bigger. There's surely nowhere back from that. No. I think it's resounded, isn't it? Yeah. It's so cute, though. It's a weird-looking creature. I've got it off. It gives hugs. Well, it does give hugs, but at the same time, it probably eats children. No, don't say that. It's gentle. Because it didn't scram that child that's keeping it though. It did accidentally bite her, I think. Oh, don't spoil it. It got it got scared, and then it was fine. I do believe them. If Walker, you're going super pig. Um, yeah, super pig. I too am going for the clean sweep for super pig because it's just an absolute unit. It's just too large. It's it's unfathomable that that we'd have total agreement on both uh, a gentleman's corner questions. Mm. We've all decided that the same team and then individual mutant pig creature are going to win. We're, we're not just ganging up on Alex anymore. Well-respected part of the team. Exactly. Maybe the real point of the podcast was the friends we made along the way. All that leaves me with now is the joy of saying thank you very much to everyone for listening. Oh, and we now have an email. Oh, we now have an email. Please email us. Where's Johnny Podcast at gmail.com. Email us.